Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andy Shea. Ross is off this week, so that means, Andy, you got to do four quarters of work today. You ready for that? I am. Let's do it, Jimmy. I'm ready to go. All right. But before we get started with the news, quick note, in partnership with Collegiate Athletic Travel, Keystone Sports, we're offering you the opportunity to travel to the Auburn game, flight, stay at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, tailgate party, all of that included. And maybe most importantly, you get to mingle with me and Dustin, we will be on the trip also. We'll be recording our podcast from down there. You could be part of the show. If you want more information, just head over to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414. A reminder, there is a deadline that's approaching. It's July 22nd, so make your plans. Get a hold of athletic Collegiate Athletic Travel. Hopefully you could join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, Andy. The big news. It's, it was the bombshell announcement about a week ago of the addition of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. That is still the dominant news story because it's not just about those two teams moving. It's about what's going to come next. First of all, I haven't talked to you since this news came up. What was your reaction to it? Yeah, I was shocked, um, to be honest with you. I was like, the, I, I, you knew the Big Ten going forward as with Texas and Oklahoma setting the table last year and then, you know, Texas A&M joining the SEC a couple years before that. You knew college football was moving a little bit, right? But And that the Big Ten was looking or going to expand in some way, shape, or form. But... USC and UCLA out of the Pac-12, two California schools on the West Coast. It, it, it was shocking, but it also told me that there are no boundaries. There won't be any boundaries to a degree in a few years. And who knows exactly what it's going to look like, but there are no boundaries when it comes to the conferences and the power that they wield in college football and what they're willing to do to make their conference even more powerful. So... I just, I was just like, it does, It didn't make sense at first, but when you think about it, it now makes complete sense that it doesn't matter. Geography doesn't matter to a degree anymore. It's just all about how can you make your conference as powerful as possible in the college football playoff era. And no doubt USC is a traditional power in college football. They have name recognition, name value. They're probably on the upswing, big hire with Lincoln Riley going there. You expect USC star to ascend. Not to mention, those two teams bring the Los Angeles market. That's critical. Yeah. My question is now, it's what comes next. The one obvious name for everyone is Notre Dame. Again, they have national recognition, 
they would bring it a value to any conference they go to except they like their independence they like being independent even if it costs them some money question is can Notre Dame afford to stay independent so the $64,000 question is you're you're right Jimmy is what is Notre Dame going to do they're ACC for all their other sports except football they're still independent they like their independence. They value their independence. But I'm not so sure in the in the next contract for the college football playoffs when the, the current one expires in a couple years, I'm not sure they're going to be able to sit as an independent and be considered part of the college football playoff under an expanded conference model. In other words, we're looking at maybe three, you know, is it two, three, four? I don't know how many Power Five conferences are going to be left from the hundred, you know, from the schools. But however many it is, I don't think you can be that far of an outsider as an independent. And I don't think the college the college football playoff has sort of given Notre Dame a break during the initial run here. But I don't think they're going to be able to give that to them going forward. And I think Notre Dame's going to have to make a decision on the conference and. The Big Ten makes sense, but who? what makes sense anymore, Jimmy? I mean, USC, UCLA to the, to the Big Ten. That doesn't make quote-unquote sense, but it also makes a lot of sense. Could Notre Dame go to the SEC? They could. Could the Notre Dame go to the Big 12 if they gobble up more of the Pac-12? They could. But I think what Notre Dame does is a $64,000 question that needs to be answered sooner than later as this starts to play out in more detail over the next, you know, 18 months. When you talk about what makes sense, USC, UCLA, from the Big Ten's perspective, it makes a lot of sense. Los Angeles, huge market. USC, UCLA, two real good brands. They will bring value to the Big Ten. Notre Dame, again, for the Big Ten, makes a lot of sense. Makes sense to anyone because Notre Dame would bring value wherever they go. What I don't understand is how Notre Dame, I think it's logical for Notre Dame to go to the Big Ten. There's, it makes geographic sense. It makes financial sense for them. They have many rivals already at, in the Big Ten. And as yep. you pointed out, with the playoffs. So what... I don't understand that there's an alternate decision for Notre Dame that makes any sense. I, I I never understood why Notre Dame got a free pass in this first round of the college football playoffs, right? Like they let the college football playoff let Notre Dame dictate to them dictate to them that we are not going to join a conference. Now this wasn't conference tied, right? The college football playoffs in the initial run here has not been conference tied in terms of you know what any any parameters for being a conference champion or anything like that so so that was i think that was done in the initial run to sort of they're looking for the best teams it's only four and they wanted they kind of appease notre dame to a degree but i don't think in the super conference model however it it looks and expands because let's face it it's not going to be four teams i don't think in the next round of the playoffs after this contract expires if it is then i think college the college football playoff has made a huge mistake because the conference are saying, conferences are telling them, we're going to a super conference model. We are going super conference model. You guys need to keep up as the college football playoff. So 
I think Notre Dame has to join a conference. I just think they, for football, they have to pick one and join one. And they need to pick it sooner than later to, to let the power conferences. Because if you think about it, Jimmy, the SEC, while all this has been going down, right, all this spring is there's been chatter about schools and stuff, who's been sitting there not – you haven't heard squadouche from the SEC, right? The SEC is just laying in the weeds, just being quiet, waiting to gobble up whatever they want to gobble up after the dust settles. They'll be like, okay, once the dust settles and all this craziness happens, what are we going to do? They're the alpha dog. They're going to decide what, where they want to go. Andy, you mentioned you know the mega conferences. There seems to be this narrative now being built. The SEC, the Big Ten, will be the two mega conferences. They won't be finished until they have, say, like 24 teams each, and they can have their own separate playoffs. And I get the value of that. I do. But, as you said, the Southeast Conference isn't saying anything. Obviously, the Big Ten wants Notre Dame, and they're waiting on that before they do anything else. Correct. But... Notre Dame makes sense financially, just like USC and UCLA did. I don't think there's a lot of other teams that on their own coming into, whether it's the Southeast Conference or the Big Ten, actually make financial sense. What you got to understand is you add another team, that's another team taking you know a bite of the pie. You have to split it another way. So unless they can bring as much value as their slice of the pie, which Notre Dame does, USC and UCLA do. But there aren't any, I don't know of any other schools that definitely bring that value. Is it possible that these two conferences will kind of stay where they are right now? Uh, I, I see that I see that as highly unlikely because I, I, I don't I, I say that think I'm just guessing here because who knows what the heck's going to happen? But I see it as the more you absorb, the more pieces of another conference's market. Like if it ends up being three conferences, then you've gone from five to three. The money's kind of still the same. It's all about the markets that you get. But in terms of marquee markets, there's not many of them left. So you have a very valid point. But I can see a Big Ten and an SEC in the 20s, I could see them at 20 or larger. Um, I really could. I could see, I could see three conferences, maybe three, um, four possibly because the ACC has some media rights issues. But I, I, I don't know how far this goes. I just know that the NCAA completely no longer has any say in college football because the conferences are just actually flexing their muscles a little bit more and taking over institutional control of college football as they should, as they always have done. What I see though, is a lot of schools overvaluing their own uh, attraction or their own value. So when you look at it, like Oregon and Washington think they should be taken into the big 10. I'm not convinced they have the dollar value. The only way this works, the mega conferences, is with, you know, the playoff. Would the world uh, accept a mega Southeast Conference and a mega Big Ten, those two teams essentially acting like NFL conferences, AFC, NFC, with their own playoffs, and then eventually a championship game? 
would the public accept that as your national champion? I, I don't think the NFL model that you mentioned, Jimmy, I don't think the AFC, NFC, NFL model is a really bad idea for college football as, as well, just with, you know, two power conference. But they have they have they have so many FBS schools, what is it's the sixty four it's the Cincinnati question. What about the all the other schools? Do they have a chance at the college football? The power conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten are making the move to eliminate everybody else from college football playoffs. It's whether or not what the college football playoffs does and how much they expand going forward that makes a big, big difference for me. All right, Andy, that's it for now, but I'm sure we will talk, be talking about this more as the summer goes on. That's it for quarter number one. Quarter number two, we are going to get back to our positional evaluation. Stay tuned for that. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lion's soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti. It's quarter number two. With me is Andrew P. Shea sitting in for Ross this week who is off. We always like to say... He's off on assignment, Andy. How's that? Yeah, he's off on vacation. Come on, it's July, Jimmy. We know. He's not on assignment this week. He's got him a vacation somewhere. He takes great vacations, by the way. Ross does not sell short of vacation. He does them right. I'm still going out, going without on assignment. So anyway, gotcha. with that opportunity, Andy, we're going to pick up our series on our positional evaluation. 
Uh, we went through the defense for a few weeks. We got to the quarterback last week. Uh, this week in quarter number two and four, we're going to do with the running backs and the wide receivers. So let's hit the running backs. Andy, let's start with this. There was one uh, desertion, I'll put it, th- one transfer that was Noah Kane. Correct. But the interesting thing with two incoming freshmen, uh, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, the return of Kevon Lee, Devin Ford, and Keziah Holmes, who redshirted last year, I would say you've got five guys, five guys who expect playing time. As much as you could rotate multiple guys, you're not going to be able to rotate five running backs. You can't. They did four once and, and kind of did four once, and they kind of made it work a little bit, but five is just too much. So when it comes to the running backs, right, everybody, for for a lot of good reasons, they, they, they want to talk about the young guns, right? They want to talk about the young guys. I don't. I simply do not want to talk about the young guy. Now, we're going to talk about him, but I don't focus on them. I'm starting with Kevon Lee, Keziah Holmes, and Devin Ford. Each of these guys has multiple years of experience. They flashed, and they have shown enough good to be in the mix for regular carries. You ride the experience until the young talent gets the necessary experience. Is there young talent? Oh, my gosh, yes, there is definitely uh, plenty of young talent, but... I think I learned from last year. I think I saw through the course of last year and all of those struggles, right? So you remember last year in weeks 8, 9, and 10, when when you, you'd watch the games and you saw that Noah Kane was clearly impacted by the injuries. Now, he didn't have any help up front, but that's a different topic. He was clearly impacted as a running back for his performance and what he could do on the field. He, he simply was not back to being the horse that we knew he was for the course. But they kept handing him the ball. And it I just kept looking for a little bit of recovery or a little bit of improvement from him, just a little bit from game to game. And it, it just wasn't there. He wasn't able to, to manufacture it. But yet there he was toting the rock for Penn State on a consistent basis and struggling. Now he was struggling partly because the offensive line. But he also was struggling just as a running back. I don't, that told me that if they have experience, they are going to lean on that no matter how hard it gets. I think that in a Mike Yersich offense, the running game is not sort of a, you know, a big priority. It just has to be efficient and effective when they need it. They are not going to be a run first type offense. So I think they're looking at the three guys to start this season and see what those three experienced guys bring to the table and whether or not they can make the running back position, not quote-unquote the offensive line, can they make the running back position a little bit better for this offense? By default, Kevon Lee, first crack at it? Kevon Lee, by default, first crack. I think Keziah Holmes gets second crack, and I just I have no idea why Devin Ford stayed at Penn State. I just think he, I know he's a talent. And there's just, I think he's here for a reason. And I think he has, I just have a funny feeling that this guy's going to have a role in this offense. I just, I really do. He is, they have, they are, uh, Juwan Sider and Yersich are going to find a role for him and carve it out. And he is going to be something that is important and effective for this Penn State offense. And I don't think it has to do necessarily 
quote-unquote, with the straight-up running game. I just think he has a multitude of talents that you can use from the running back position. I just think they have to figure it out. I think he's figured out some things on his own, and I just think he's going to be important. But I, I think they have – I mean, if you said – if you didn't have the two young bucks and you said your three running backs are Lee, Keziah Holmes, and Devin Ford, Penn State fan, you worried? Yeah. Are you? Yes, I am. I am not. I'm based. I, I am not. But that's that's. I, I think they're three quality, capable running backs. Are they bright lights and electric? I'm not so sure. But see, in this in this offense, in Mike Yersich's offense, I think the running game looks for about 3.5 to 4 yards a carry. The offensive line has a role in this, right? Obviously, it does. How much of last year's train wreck was the running backs? I'd say it's a 40-60 split. I'd say the running backs were the 40, and I'd say the offensive line was 60. And they both were bad. They both struggled. But I just think this offense needs to average. They don't have to have 100-yard rushers. They don't have to have 182 yards rushing the game. This isn't Wisconsin's offense. They're not going to run a bunch of – they're not going to run the ball 42 times a game. It's about the average yards per carry, and I think the magic number for me is 3.5 minimum. It's 3.5 to 4.0. If this offense can – if this running back crew can get this offense that on a consistent basis, on a fairly consistent basis as an average, it makes the offense function that much better, and I think that's more important than anything. Well, I'll go at it a little different, you know, two things. When it's third and one or fourth and one, get me a first down. And the other thing is, when was the last time you talked about a Penn State running back being explosive? We haven't seen that. Now, that leads me to my question about Devin Ford. Typically, with all college football players, but especially Penn State running backs, what we've seen is bigger, stronger is better. You know, they put on weight. Devin Ford, prior this season, was actually down a bit with his weight. Might that be a little bit of a hint that they might be using him differently? It To me, it 100% is because we got to look. When Noah Kane got hurt in 2021, Devin Ford was made the RB1, right? Like, he was given the RB1 carries when, when Noah Kane got hurt in that Indiana game. And... It was not good. It's just he's not capable in in Penn State's offense of being a RB1 carry guy. He just wasn't. He can't get the yards between the tackles. He's not big and physical enough to pound his way through. But he has athleticism, speed, and open field speed, and the ability to make guys miss on the second level. They have to. For, I think they find a way to use those skills, they are much better. And I, and I clearly think him losing weight means that, that he is not going to be in the mix. It's Keziah Holmes and Kevon Lee and the two young guys. I don't discard them in any way, shape, or form. Those are the guys that are all going to be in the mix for the RB1 carries. But I do feel strongly that there's a role for Devin Ford that Mike Yersich is going to carve out. I really do. And maybe it's that third down back, that back out of the backfield who could catch the ball. That might be a role for Devin Ford. Let's talk about the two young guys. Um, 
Catron Allen, Nick Singleton, I, I think would be singing the praises of Catron Allen if it wasn't for the fact that Nick Singleton is on this team. Let's start with Singleton. I'm assuming he's got to, at the very least from the beginning, be part of the rotation. How does the team ease him in? I'm, and I'm assuming that they just don't throw him in as lead running back game one, but how do they ease him in? I, I think he's going to get. I think you run him on run him in on second down. I think you run him in on third down. I, I think he's going to get some carries. He is so he's he's everything that Katron Allen has. Like Katron Allen's really good. Nick Singleton has everything that Katron Allen has, and one step more on on every of all of the measurables you look for in a running back. He just simply has more tools in his tool chest than Catron Allen. But does that mean Catron Allen isn't any good? No, that means that kid's going to be, he's going to be a player, right? Nick Singleton has the capability of being elite. I mean, he's he's big, he's strong, he's physical, he's fast, he's elusive. Um, he takes on tacklers. Uh, he's got a magnificent stiff arm. He beats you to the corner. He can you know, pound a linebacker and go head on head with him and drive through him. He's, he is such a unique talent. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. He is such a unique talent that I don't think they're going to, because you're only going to get him for three years. You got to get him on the field. I think they need to find a way to use it, but I, I, I don't think you're going to go to Purdue and see him getting 17 carries in the Purdue game. But I, his number for me is I'd like to see him get, in the first month, I'd like to see him get five to eight touches of some kind a game and see what he can do over the course of a month. That is a, a number for me, and and I think they're going to rotate four running backs. I think they're going to carve out a role for um, Devin Ford, and I think the two young guys and Keziah Holmes and Kevon Lee, I think those four running backs are going to spend the first month dogfighting for the RB1 carries when Penn State hits the second level of its schedule. What surprised me and impressed me with Catron Allen is we were sold that this guy was a, you know, three yards and clouded dust kind of running back. And I I was really surprised, pleasantly surprised. It looked like he has a pretty nice burst. He's got a, a, a short burst, right? Oh, by the way, he still is your banging three yards in a cloud of dust guy. Uh, he he reminds me of early Noah Kane with that short burst. Like, Noah Kane didn't have a long burst. Noah Kane had a short burst that if, if the hole was there and he could get to the second level, he went flying through the hole. That's Catron Allen. Nick Singleton can do that as well. He's just faster. And he, he can also work on the edges and on the outside. But I think Catron Allen still fits that role as three yards in a cloud of dust. But I also think he brings more to the table. He has that lean. You know that lean, Jimmy? We, lo- we love that lean, right? That, like, falling forward, turning a one-and-a-half-yard carry into two-and-a-half or three. He has that kind of lean that I really, really, really like. He's physical, and he's faster than you think, and he will find a role on this team. I really believe that in 2022. It's going to be fascinating to watch Andy early on because, yeah, like I started the segment with, there's five guys who expect to get carries this year. Somebody's going to be disappointed among that group. 
Andy, that is it for quarter number two. Stick around, quarter number three. That's right, we're going to ask Andy this week. Stay tuned. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Andrew Pichet. Normally, this is time for Ask Ross. Ross is out, so we're going to ask Andy this week. This is where we'll take your questions, and then the best question wins the KSN Polo. If you want to submit your question, really easy. Just download our app, Keystone Sports, and you'll see the Ask Ross button there. Give us your question. And we always like when the newbies send a question. We, wanna, we know there's a lot of listeners out there. This is your chance during the off season to get your question asked. Andy, are you ready, sir? I am. I'm always nervous about this because Ross is so good at this, and he, he's he's so good at, at answering questions. I, I I I can answer questions, but I always get nervous. Like I hope I don't, I hope I don't stink. You'll do fine. And Ross, though, Ross's weakness is oftentimes we only get through one or two questions Correct. with Ross. So we'll we'll see if we could beat that. Let's start with Tom and Tunkanic. Uh, Tom starts by quoting, uh, Matt Millen was interviewed, and this was a quote from that interview. He was, Matt Millen was talking about Penn State's offensive line. He says, they're not physical. 
they just walk up to you. When you watch film, even the TV copy, just watch how much movement they get. Nobody's low. Nobody, nobody comes off the ball. Nobody rolls their hips. They go up and run into a guy and hold on to him. That was the Matt Millen quote. Is Troutman's teaching of his technique going to work? I remember, Ross, you saying his methods were much different than the previous offensive line. I'll change this into just a general question, Andy. Offensive line and Coach Troutwine, you expecting better from them? So setting the bar low, um, I think Phil, he coaches differently. Ross is correct. It is a different approach. It is more about angles and, and um, you know, cohesiveness instead of, you know, blunt trauma. Matt Millen is 100% right. What, what bothers me about the offensive line is that, 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 that part. So Matt, Matt likes the physical part. So he, he doesn't, he doesn't like that. They're not physical. That doesn't bother me so much as the inability to recognize what's in front of them. That sort of bothers me more than anything. They get, they get stunted on, they get straight up beat. They're slow to recognize changes on the defense. They don't adjust well on the fly. And Last year, they just could, as the quarters wore on in the game, they just continued to get pistol whipped more on a more consistent basis as the game went along. And I think that is one thing that, that you know, Phil could control for this offense is to drill them in their sort of, you know, their blitz pickups and their, their calls and their changes and their, you know, recognition of, of what the defense is doing. I think they need, if they can improve that a little bit on the First, I think some of the other things start to fall into place. I don't think they're going to be a physical line under him. I just don't think that's the way he teaches offensive line. And kind of the way Penn State runs its offense, it kind of makes a little sense to me. But I think they need to be better over the course of the game in terms of controlling what they can control and fix what they can fix instead of getting beat on a more consistent basis punch back on a more consistent basis good question all right let's go to doug in lewistown who says do you think the nfl should somehow be accountable to contribute to nil funds for every bcs school since essentially it is the feeder system for players seems to me they're getting off cheap in this evolving college football economic hurricane and should share in the distribution of funds. Ooh, uh, that would be, I've never thought about that. My initial reaction is that would be a no, that the NFL needs to stay out of NIL as much as possible and let the college conferences, the NCAA and the universities figure out how to manage that first and yeah, no. I mean, it's the NFL has enough money that, you know, they could they, – they just have a ridiculous amount of money. That wouldn't be problematic, but I don't want the NFL in NIL. I do not. I, I just think it opens up too many cans of worms, and and it they have to identify certain players. No, not a fan. And why should they? Why right, should right. they? There's, it, there's, no, there's no value proposition for them. 
and the fact that players could get NIL money elsewhere probably makes it less likely that the NFL would ever be spending money with colleges because, again, why should they when somebody else is providing that money? Let's go to Joe in Scranton who says, Ross, you stated on one show that replacements on the offensive line for Miranda, Wilson, and Walker will be at least as good as they were. That's not saying much. Wilson and Miranda were mediocre, and Walker's effort was horrible. Might we be in trouble again with the offensive line? I'm going to add something in here real quick, Andy. I've been one who has said, I think it's possible for the offensive line to be better at every single position, all five positions this year. So I'll, I'll take the heat for this one if uh, Joe thinks we've been saying that. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with Ross on this one. I, I, don't, I, I struggle to see on a consistent basis how they're going to be any better simply because the line last year had all the experience and they had talent. They, they had everything you would want in, in a veteran offensive line. And they were an utter and absolute train wreck. So the players bear some responsibility in that, but the coaching staff also bears a lot of responsibility for that as well. So if you had everything, you know, a lot of the ingredients you want to have a potentially difference-making and veteran offensive line, and it becomes an absolute dumpster fire, what's to say inserting three new players is going to be any different? Do I think they could be a little bit better possibly do i expect them to be better i do not i just think they can't be part of the problem they just have to be a little more of a part of the solution they have enough running backs quarterbacks and skill position guys and tight ends to sort of make this offense go just kind of don't be part of the problem and 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 that that would be enough well, I'll take the other side. I'll take the glass half full here, Andy, in that um, I don't think Rasheed Walker had a great year last year. Not Did sure not. that means anything as far as his NFL career. I would have thought Landon Tengwall showed enough that he could have been the left tackle. The fact that the team says we've got this guy, Fashanu, who we are going to plug in as the left tackle – that tells me they're even more confident in him, have seen enough. I think they'll be better there. I think Tangwall at left guard will be better than what they had previously. I, I think with Eric Wilson and Mike Miranda in the middle there, the fact that they moved Juice Scruggs to center even last year told you they probably weren't happy with Miranda as center. So I think you're going to be better there. I think they have a couple options. Sal Warmly, Hunter Norzad coming in as a transfer at right guard. I think they have a chance to be better there. And Caden Wallace at right tackle, he's the one position that's remaining essentially from the start of last year. He didn't have a great year last year. He has the tools to be better. Will he? Not sure. But that's why I said I think there's potential to be better at all five positions. Let's get to uh, Steve in Columbia, who says, Ross, you and Jim discussed recently the NIL deal for Nick Singleton. Glad it worked out. However, if I'm P.J. Mustafer, 
or any of the other third or fourth year players who's busted his butt for all these years, don't you think it's a real possibility to cause locker room issues? PJ might think, hey, I've given my all, and this kid who just showed up gets the paycheck. Where's my money? Particularly an issue if the new kid doesn't pan out, even though I surely hope he does. So that would be a hard no. That, and I'm going to explain, I'll tell you why. From having spent so many years and covering uh, football at all levels and, you know, knowing several NFL players really uh, intimately and closely, uh, current players and former players, they don't marginalize their own income and or what somebody else is getting. That, that doesn't bother them. Most most of them were like, good for that, good for him, good for him. I'm glad for him. That generally is the locker room mantra. Like, like you know what, good for him. Get you some, take care of your family, good for you. Nick Singleton, P.J. Mustafer saying, Nick Singleton, good for you. You know, I, I got to figure out how I can get a piece of that pie on my own. But I'm not, I, I don't think that causes any locker room problems at all not in any way, shape, or form, because generally speaking, players are happy for other players who get what they have coming to them. They are not inherently jealous over the pool of money. They just have to figure out and maybe work harder and do a little bit more to get their share of the pie. But money-wise, there is not a lot of jealousy in locker rooms. They're je- and you would think there could be, but there there is not. I have I have intimately talked about that with guys, and they're like, yeah, no, that doesn't bother me at all. Well, the interesting thing, though, Andy, is you're talking about NFL players, professionals who know it's a business. These are much younger, more inexperienced people, inexperienced in life matters. So might this be a bit different than the NFL? I, I, I do not think so. I, I honestly do not because the NIL is it's kind of a broad scape that it's up to you to figure it out on your own and get your own piece of the pie. I, I really can't see how, in the example that was given, that P.J. would be upset, especially being a D-tackle as compared to a running back. I just got to figure out how to get mine as a D-tackle. That's his job. It's not his job to you know, compare himself to Nick Singleton. So I, I really honestly don't see that as a locker room issue. I really honestly don't because each player has the same opportunity. Now, do they really? No. But inherently, each player has the same opportunity to get some of theirs. It will be interesting to see how it plays out. I do agree with you. I think the players more often will be happy for their teammates rather than, you know, jealous on these, these issues. But we shall see. That's it for quarter number three. We'll name our winner in quarter number four. Stay tuned. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. 
featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno. This beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, you filled in for Ross very well through quarter two and quarter three. You handled the questions. You did a great job. And speaking of a great job, we'll also pat the back of Steve from Columbia. He is our winner, Steve. I will be getting in touch with you about your KSN polo shirt. Andy, we've been doing our positional analysis uh, over the last several weeks. We did the running backs in quarter number two, here in quarter number four. It's time to handle the receivers, both the wide receivers and the tight ends. Let's let's start with the wide receivers. And, Andy, there, there seems to be a pecking order with the receivers, very well defined. You've got your starters, Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, and, and Keandre Lambert-Smith. That's your tier one, if you will. I'll call it Tier 2, your returners, Malik Mega, Harrison Wallace, Liam Clifford, Jaden Donton. None of them have really broken through yet. We've, we've heard a lot of good talk about Malik Mega, but he's probably first among that Tier 2. And then I'll say you've got the youngsters, Amari Evans and Caden Saunders, who are just coming in the door with a lot of potential. Is that the way you see it at the wide receiver position? So I think you're 100% right. I think of all the individual positions at Penn State, I'll say a couple things about wide receiver. I think it's the most clear-cut and obvious what they what it's going to look like. And I, I want to also say under Taylor Stubblefield, um, I think he's entering his third season at Penn State. It has, in my opinion, become the single best developed individual position on Penn State's roster. What he is doing to develop wide receivers is as much problem as they had at that position with the carousel of coaches, the lack of development, the guys transferring out, 
not being able to figure out how to use big guys. I think the development of this position from top to the middle to the bottom under Taylor Stubblefield has been absolutely high-end and first-class. It is a big reason why this offense has remained powerful. I, I think you're going to see four guys catching the ball. Um, I think, I, I think, and I look at this and I go, okay, Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert-Smith, they're the guys I look at first, right? I looked at that. You look, think of them and what they had to play in 2020. They were forced onto the field, right? And I don't think they were bad. They didn't. They weren't ready to be on the field, but they had to be on the field, right? And I still think both of them made a jump last year in 2021, even with Jahan Dotson being the superstar that he was. I thought both of these guys made really good progress in secondary roles on this offense. And I think that's one thing Taylor does is develop secondary roles to get elite wide receivers and talented wide receivers ready for a more prominent role. And I fully expect a, a, another jump from those two guys in 2022 because it's been proven that the formula and the coaching and the way they build wide receivers under Taylor, it works. So I think Mitchell Tinsley is an interesting, interesting prospect to me. Brings a lot of numbers. You think like, oh my gosh, is this guy going to be a thousand yard receiver? The answer to that is probably no, because the offense was built for him uh, at, at Western Western Kentucky, um, and and they had an NFL, a fringe NFL talent at quarterback, and they threw the ball to him a ton. But he is a unique talent that fits this offense, and I think your fourth wide receiver in any way, shape, or form is Malik. I think Malik, if somebody got injured or had to go down or they needed somebody to replace a starter for a couple games, I don't think he has a problem doing that. I think those are your four wide receivers. I don't think you have to try and mix young guys in in any way, shape, or form. I really don't. I think this position is very clear-cut and obvious, and I think Penn State is in great shape at the wide receiver position. They really are. And for this offense, I expect all four of those guys to have really, really good seasons this year. And Malik Mega offers something that the rest don't have. He's six foot four. Correct. That that makes him unique. How many which of the other guys, and again I, I separated them, Harrison Wallace, Clifford and Donton, they're the returning players. They have a little bit of experience. Amari Evans, Caden Saunders, they're the new guys. They're the freshmen. Who among these guys is going to step up? You know there will be somebody who does. Who do you like among that group? So I, I, like, uh, I like Wallace. Um, I, I'm, I haven't seen enough. I, I think Caden Saunders is a, is a special talent, but I think... I, you need to see that on a Big Ten field. I think one of those two, it's either Saunders or Wallace, in my opinion, for the for the fifth and sixth guys that you might see. And injuries are a part of the game. I mean, if they had to turn to a fifth or sixth receiver, which one would they turn to first to 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 grab the you know the main bar of the snaps? I think it's one of those two guys, to be honest with you. And the one thing, and we've seen it, as you alluded to, because we've seen the freshmen 
true freshmen step up and actually play at this position, the further away from the ball you are, yep. the more likely you could have somebody step in as the youngster and play, correct? That is 100% accurate. The further you are away from the football, the more opportunity you have to play as a young player. I 300% agree with that. But I just think Penn State has so much developed and seasoned talent at the wide receiver position. Uh, barring injuries, they don't need to employ that. In 2020, they had to employ that. It was an absolute utter mess at the wide receiver position. And that was Taylor's first year since then. Man, boy, has he developed this wide receiver position. He, he developed those guys that year. Those two young guys should not have been on the field, right? We knew that. You could see that, and you're like, yeah, those guys really shouldn't be on the field, but, man, they are really doing what little they can and making the best out of a bad situation. There's a lot to be said for that, Jimmy. There really, really is. And, you know, a lot of congratulations should go to Stubbafield. Also, that year, it was the position that we were all most concerned about Yep. And stubble because they had gone from coach to coach to coach. And here all of a sudden, here comes this guy, Taylor Stubblefield, whose history was what? Staying at a job for like one year and moving on. And it was fascinating. I believe uh, James Franklin's take on it was in effect, both sides needed each other. Uh, Stubblefield needed to show that he wasn't just job hopping, that he could stick around and stay at a job. Penn State needed that from a wide receiver coach. And in the end, that's what they gave him. So he's now, you know, I don't know if I could call him a long-standing coach, but he's experienced there for a few years. And his position, wide receiver, it's strong, it's deep, and they seem to be recruiting well there. So a, a very good turnaround. Let's move Andy to the tight end position. Again, another position where they're in pretty good shape. A year ago, they talked about how good their tight end room was. They had three guys. They were deep. They were talented. I'm not sure they were used as they uh, to their fullest extent, to their fullest ability. Uh, there were some issues with blocking. Not sure Mike Yersich knew exactly how to use the three of them. But there's no doubt, at least in my mind, you got three pretty good players coming back at the position. Yeah, I like this. I like this trio, and I say that because I really believe one is going to emerge as a weapon for Sean Clifford in this offense. I really do. There were times during the Pat Fryermuth years that Penn State probably relied on him a little too much. He delivered, but I agree with you. I thought last year the tight end was a bit underutilized. Now, it, it followed the theme of if you lined up near the football on the offensive line that you struggled blocking. But I, I think Brenton Strange emerged as like the primary tight end because he's the best pure blocker of the group. He's a bit undersized. Overall, but he has some athleticism and he can use it in space. But I don't think he's your breakout candidate, but I think he's your smartest safe option in a, a large number of snaps for your offense because I believe he is the, the he, he's the best blocker. 
Tyler Warren made the most improvement as a blocker last year. That guy became was starting to emerge as a beast. I mean, he can do it all in the blocking game. He can take a linebacker and set the edge. He can run a defensive end through the middle. It was he's at he has some athleticism and dangerous. They use him as quarterback. They use him as a running back. But he made the most improvement as a blocker. The the third tight end, Tyler Johnson. He's the best pure talent, in my opinion, on the roster as a tight end. He has size, range, speed, athleticism. His long-term upside is absolutely through the roof, but his, his blocking is just not really good. I honestly think you can use him and go with four wide receivers and flex him out into space and kind of eliminate his need to block and use the skills that he has, but... He need, he's a willing blocker, right? Like, he wants to be better at it, and he, he works at it. You can tell. He's willing, but he's just not skilled enough to do it well. So I think that's the one thing is how do you mix and match these? It's the biggest question mark for Yersich this offseason is how to figure out to make the tight ends a more relevant part of this offense because he has plenty of options. I look at Bretton Strange as the high floor guy but the high ceiling guys are Theo Johnson, who has all those tools, and Tyler Warren, who played quarterback in high school, so it's a case of probably still learning the position. I think Tyler Warren may have the biggest upside of the group. I think Theo Johnson has a bigger upside for this group uh, of the three. I think he has the most pure upside, but you, if you can't trust him to block, then you can't put him on the field as much in on a consistent basis so in that i say tyler warren is your guy all right andy that is going to have to be it for our show you did a great job my friend filling in for ross tucker filling those big shoes and doing a great job that is it though for the show thank you all for listening make sure you join us next time on the keystone kickoff show This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are...
Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. 